More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Greetings to you, music lovers, thrill-seekers, and conversationalists all across the fruited plain. So happy to be back. Great to be with you. It is Friday. You know what that means. Live from the Southern Command in sunny South Florida, it's Open Line Friday. Yes, sir, Rebob, whatever's on your mind. Understand we had a really perceptive and great caller yesterday. Yeah, a guy called, well, according to the show notes I got, I wasn't able to listen yesterday because it's a super secret meeting. But apparently some guy called and said, Rush, after Schiff said that we can't trust the ballot box, a caller called and said, Rush predicted this. He predicted the Democrats are going to try to end elections one day. And that's exactly right. And I'm going to get into that in much greater detail. Schiff is... Literally out of his mind. I, I it, it's 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 tough to follow, but he's not alone. Many of the Democrats are in the same mental state that that Schiff is in, and it's you know it's difficult. It's difficult to get into arguments with the insane. It's difficult to get into arguments with the fool. It's difficult to get into arguments with uh, with Looney Tune nutcases because after a while, people listening to the argument can't tell who's who. It's very very risky. Now, before we get into the latest on impeachment and begin to tear that down and analyze it and so forth, I think there is some absolutely huge news that is being glossed over. It's, you know, they're not even having to sweep it under the rug because the whole thing's already been swept under the rug. The FBI... And the FISA court, the Department of Justice of James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Dana Buente, Rod Rosenstein, have all admitted to abusing their power. 
They have all admitted that their FISA warrants to spy on Carter Page were bunk. They have admitted that they should not have been sought and that they should not have been granted. The entire pretext for the so-called investigation of Donald Trump for colluding with Russia, the FISA warrants that had opened up the spying, have now been admitted to as fraudulent. Now, let me put this in perspective for you. The FBI and the FISA court now admit that they abused their powers and all of the people involved in getting those FISA warrants applied for and signed off on, whether they've admitted to it or not, have now been caught up in abuse of power and fraud. Where are we? The Democrats and their media buddies would rather pretend that Donald Trump abused power in a phone call with the president of Ukraine and sweep this under the rug. The initial and original operation of this coup, this silent coup designed to get Donald Trump, it has never been able to stand the weight of truth and authenticity. And now, now I know it's not all four FISA warrants, but come on, they're admitting that two of them here were bogus and were not properly uh, put together. The whole thing could be a stand-in for that. Meanwhile, we have this sham of an impeachment designed to do what? This is something that I have been giving considerable thought to, because none of this makes any sense if you look at it from the parameters, or perimeters, I should more aptly say, of conventional wisdom. By this, I mean they're never going to get a conviction. See, to me, this is the overriding reality of this that makes me question what the real motivations are. And then with what the round mound of the gavel did yesterday by accusing the very senators of being part of a cover-up that they supposedly want to change their minds and vote with them to authorize new witnesses and new documents and all that. The round mound of the gavel pretty much ensured that isn't going to happen now. Susan Collins sent a note to the chief justice. This is outrageous. Why did you let him say that? Why didn't you stop him? Nadler accusing Republican senators of being part of the cover-up if they don't vote to authorize witnesses. Now, here's Susan Collins and Murkowski and Cory Gardner and the rest of these four so-called recalcitrants that Schumer was again appealing to today. Here they are sitting there, and of course they're wanting to they're wanting to be seen as independent and fair, and they're wanting to be seen as not in the back pocket of the Trump administration. They want to be seen as doing justice and so forth, and if there's a need for witnesses, they want to make sure they're on the right side of it, blah, blah, blah. And Nadler comes along and insults them to the point that now they probably can't vote for it. So what's that? Why in the world is the round mound of the gavel? sabotaging ostensibly his own effort. And then throw Schiff in this. Schiff has said some of the most stupefyingly outrageous things, such as, and I'm listening to Drive-By Media talk about how 
eloquent Schiff was, how persuasive Schiff was, how Schiff dug in there, dug deep, got and pulled the heartstrings and made these Republican senators wake up. Nothing could be further from the truth. Adam Schiff actually said yesterday that Donald Trump needs to be removed from office because he didn't follow the talking points prepared for him by the likes of Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Oh, don't you dare criticize him. <sighs> Lieutenant Colonel Vindman said he prepared the talking points for Trump, and the Trump gets on the phone call, doesn't use the talking points, and Schiff said he's got to be thrown out of office for that. He's got to be removed because he didn't follow the talking points. That means he went against U.S. policy. Schiff, in a literally insane rant, claims that Trump failing to use the talking points put together by deep state civil servants attempting to undermine him and conflict with his foreign policy, and it is his that matters, he's the president, he chooses foreign policy, not Vindman, not Yovanovitch, not any of the others, not uh, not Fiona Hill, none of, they don't determine for him. They can prepare talking points all they want. Trump can chuck them anytime he wants. Schiff said because Trump didn't follow the talking points that he is undermining American foreign policy. He admits that Trump doesn't have to follow the talking points, but the fact that he didn't means that he's undermining foreign policy. He is foreign policy, Schiff. And I'll tell you something else that's kind of got me worked up. This, this, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this happens. Oh, I, I know how it happens. You go back to the day where Schiff was chairing the House Intel Committee some hearings and makes up the transcript about Trump on the phone call with Zelensky. Literally makes it up. Says things like, Trump got on the phone with Zelensky and said, I want you to find some dirt on my 2020 opponent, Joe Biden. I want you to dig up some dirt, and I want you to make it up if you have to, and I don't want you getting back to me until you do. And I'm going to tell you eight or nine times until you get it. You find some dirt on Biden, you make up the dirt. You dig it up if you have to, and don't get back to me until you do, and you're not getting a dime from us until you do. Schiff says this is what's in the transcript. He's Lying through his teeth, every bodily orifice that Schiff has, he's lying through. And the Republicans are sitting there and they're not even reacting to it. I'm watching it here from the EIB Southern Command. I'm blowing a gasket asking why aren't the Republicans reacting. Finally, a Republican constituent sent an email to a Republican member of the committee. Said, what the hell are you doing? The guy's lying through his teeth. So a Republican member of the committee, forget who it was, then finally called Schiff out on it. 30 minutes later, and Schiff's, well, it was a parody of doing satire. And yet, Schiff gets a pass for this. Adam Schiff in all of this gets a pass. He still goes before the Senate and this trial with some kind of moral authority as though he is engaging in the truth. He wouldn't know the truth if it slapped him upside the head. Making up what the president said on the phone call with the transcript of the phone call there and available for anybody to see. Why does anybody debate Schiff's version of the phone call as legitimate? Schiff makes up what he calls a parody. 
And all of a sudden, the word dirt is somehow part of the transcript. When it isn't. Trump was trying to dig up dirt. Trump was trying to do this. Trump was trying to find this about Biden when it's not part of the transcript. Andy McCarthy had a piece, what was it, uh, yesterday, last night, saying that because Schiff has done this, Schiff has now opened the door to calling the Bidens if there are witnesses called. Because Schiff has totally mischaracterized what Trump asked Zelensky to do regarding Biden and his kid, Hunter, in the investigation. And so since Schiff has put forth a fallacious, phony, lying version of that, the president's team has a legal opportunity and requirement to correct that record. And that may be calling Schiff, which I still think they ought to do, make him the face of this, and call the Bidens. The Democrats are literally paranoid that that would happen. Schumer and the rest of these guys in their public statements, press conferences, doing everything they can to make it sound like mentioning the Bidens in any of this is insane. It shows the president's lost his mind. This is all about the Bidens. It's all about the investigations. And what Biden was able to do as a member of the United States government to grease the skids for his family for years and years and years. And the reason all this is relevant is they're trying to throw Donald Trump out of office for something that he didn't do, for a scandal he wasn't engaged in, for misconduct he did not enter into. And yet it is all over the place on the Democrat side, starting with Hillary and the Steele dossier. And now the FISA warrant totally made up abuse on Carter Page, which now all these people are admitting to. Down to the Mueller report. And on the let's go get Trump side of this, nobody has found anything. There's no impeachable offense. There's no crime. So what's really this all about? What are the Democrats? Because let's go back to the reality they're not going to get a conviction. And especially now. I don't care how persuasive somebody, anybody might think that some of these House managers' cases have been. By the way, the TV ratings daily are plummeting. You've seen that, right? The top was 11 million. 20 million is what the first day of Kavanaugh got with Ballsy Ford. This thing, 11 million, and they're dropping every day, and Reuters and CNN wringing their hands destroyed, distressed about this. So they know they're going to get a conviction, and now they're not going to get four Republicans to vote to authorize witnesses, if they ever were. But But Nadler coming in and accusing... Essentially, Susan Collins and Murkowski and Cory Gardner and whoever else are trying to get in there of participating in the cover-up. Nadler's statements that he made yesterday, party his president, were so far out of bounds. They were so radical left that I said, wait a minute, this isn't, there's something going on here that people are not seeing. And it all, if you circle back, it all goes back to the fact that they know they're not going to get a a conviction, and yet they're doing this. So why? 
Well, look, there's some obvious answers trying to dirty Trump up for the 2020 campaign. And there's a theory that they're trying to dirty up enough Republican senators that are vulnerable to maybe win the Senate to go along with the House so that they can shut Trump down even if he is reelected. I think there's even more than that going on. And those two things are relevant. I'm not saying they're not happening, but I think there's a... I mean, what kind of rhetoric did, did the round mound of the gavel use, use yesterday? Who, who was that rhetoric intended for? Democrat base. The lunatic fringe of the Democrat base. You, you put this together with some of the other news out there. Obama, according to Charles Gasparino of Fox News, Obama is getting so scared of Bernie that he's considering a national statement urging Democrats not to vote for Bernie Sanders. That is an all-out assault on who, in addition to crazy Bernie? That is an all-out assault on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who has become one of Bernie's biggest advocates and is uh, toying publicly with the idea of a third party because the Democrat Party isn't left enough. Well, here comes the round mound of the gavel yesterday, and he starts uttering resistance-type lingo. He starts uttering language that people like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez want to hear and people that might be in time to support her want to hear. And you go to New York where all politics is local. Is Nadler perhaps going to be primaried by somebody chosen by Alexander Ocasio-Cortez because he, Nadler, is not sufficiently resistance radical left-wing enough? Now, if Nadler is worried about a challenge, it would make perfect sense for him to do what he did. In other words, it could well be that part of the explanation for this is that some of these House managers, Nadler, Schiff, are actually doing all of this to keep their base together. Not bust up Trump's connection to his, because they can't, and they know that by now. Now, in Schiff's case... I honestly think that he needs professional help right along the lines with Antonio Brown. I think they need to be seeing the same shrink. They need to get the same kind of mental health because I think Schiff has lost it totally. There's a great piece today, somebody, PJ Media, I think. You're a parent. Have you got a kid who loves performing, loves doing things in the, in, the, in the living room, and you can't get them to stop? And you have to act like, oh, that's so cute, little Johnny. You have to encourage them because you're the pants. That's Schiff. The description in the piece is a little bit more detailed and thorough than that. And I'll get to all of that and much more as the stack of stuff unfolds before your very eyes and ears today. Hang on. Back right after this. A pretty big first is on the verge of happening in Washington, D.C., Every year during this month at this time, there is an event called the March for Life. March for Life rally in Washington, D.C. A bunch of pro-lifers show up, and it's always a gigantic, well-attended event. No U.S. president has ever appeared in person. They always appear via video conference. Rinaldus Magnus appeared on a big screen behind the stage. Uh, President Bush did the same. Vice President Pence has been there in person. I'm not sure other vice presidents may may have uh, may not have gone in person, but Donald Trump's going to be there in person. He's there now. He's uh, have been at a standing at the podium uh with 
literally hundreds of thousands of people gathered. It's a huge rally. It's a huge march. Uh, I would not be far off if I were to remind you that at a time in his life, Donald Trump was not pro-life. It might be a stretch to say he was never a pro-choice activist. He's never a pro-Planned Parenthood type, but he, he uh, as, as a celebrity and a New Yorker in a sea of liberalism, uh, when the subject came up, yeah, woman's right to choose, fine with me. He has undergone a major transformation to become a pro-life activist, the first president to ever personally appear at the pro-life march. In the midst of this uh, impeachment, he's not hunkered down in the White House. This is going to redound to his benefit as much as anything his lawyers say. Welcome back, folks. Open line Friday, your guiding light through times of trouble, confusion, murkiness, tumult, despair, lying, skunkish Democrats, phony FISA warrants, made-up impeachment charges, and even the good times. We are here. 800-282-2882. Trump's on fire at the pro-life rally. I'm not I'm not going to jip it. We're rolling audio on it. We'll have some sound bites for you as the as the program unfolds. But uh, don't doubt there's a number of Republican senators there as well. Mike Lee, James Lankford are there, some members of the House of Representatives. But I'm telling you, something like this, pro-life rally, you know the pro-life political issue, and it is one. It's never been 50-50. The number of Americans that are pro-life is a majority over those who are not. And it, 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 I don't think it's even been as close as the conventional wisdom narrative manufacturers would want us to believe. But this contrast of Trump uh, speaking as the first president ever to appear live at a pro-life rally uh, compared and, and contrasted to the – I mean this chihuahua nipping at his knees and ankles impeachment fight over there. Believe me, this is the kind of thing – that makes an impression that's indelible in the minds of the American people. What? How can how can they go after this kind of for what they're going after? And so, for, in fact, you know, so one of the interesting things about uh, all these House managers have gone on and on and on. Are you crazy? Donald Trump, Donald Trump tonight aid. Donald Trump withheld aid. Donald Trump said you can't have your aid unless you give me Biden. You can None of that's true. They got their aid, but guess what? Three of the House managers that have gone on and on and on about the importance of Ukraine voted against military aid to Ukraine every piece of legislation that came up. That is hypocrisy 101. Of course, it doesn't stick to Democrats much, but the fact is they don't even they don't care about Ukraine Adam Schiff and the round mound to the gavel and all the... They don't care about Ukraine when given the chance to participate voting on military aid for Ukraine. They voted against it. The Obama administration denied all aid to Ukraine for eight years after requiring that they disarm. We signed an agreement promising to defend them if they're attacked, and they were, and Russia annexed and took Crimea, and we didn't do a damn thing. And Trump somehow is now 
going to be impeached or has been impeached because he delayed aid that they eventually got in a phone call that somehow magically has been referred to as dirt, even though that word's not even in the transcript. By the way, I want to go back to the FISA uh, warrant story for just a second. I want to be specific about this. The FISA court, i.e. the DOJ, they have uh, decided, they've admitted, that at least two of the four warrants to spy on Carter Page were illegal, which means that all evidence collected from that surveillance cannot be used. Now, I don't know when this was decided. Uh, It's about time that it has been announced. The Department of Justice believes it should have ended surveillance of Carter Page much earlier. Now, this is a fine time to admit this after all of this is indelible in people's minds, but they're admitting here that it was bogus. They're admitting that the evidence can't be used. They're admitting that they should have shut this surveillance of Carter Page down. By the way, surveillance of Carter Page, he was never charged for anything. And the surveillance of Carter Page was simply a way to open a window to spy on the entire Trump campaign and Trump personally. But remember on whose watch all of this occurred. It occurred during the Obama administration. It occurred while Loretta Lynch was the attorney general. It occurred while Comey was the FBI director. Top people in the Obama administration approved, coordinated, and covered up illegal spying on the Trump campaign. You want interference with an election? Try that. You want corrupting an election? You want meddling in an election? Try what the Democrat managers are doing in the Senate today. They are corrupting the very idea. They are corrupting the integrity and honor of presidential elections, much more than has ever been attempted or done, accomplished by the Russians. So this is a tantamount admission that Democrats interfered the 2016 and 2020 elections. The warrants to spy on the Trump administration were illegal. Now, who are these people? Who's Obama? Who's uh, Loretta Lynch, James Comey, Clapper, Brennan, you name them? These are the same people who perpetuated the Russia hoax. The same media who has protected all of those involved, abused their power. And even now, the media has no interest in running this story. You will not see this story in New York Times, Washington Post. You won't see it anywhere in mainstream media. But what does it mean? It means that accusations the Obama administration spied on the Trump campaign are true illegally. Accusations of the Obama administration abusing its power are true which is why Mueller had to be appointed. Mueller was an attack dog. His job was to take Trump out before any of this came to light. The attempt was to focus everybody's attention on what a scalawag Trump was so that we wouldn't learn what had actually gone on in the Obama administration, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee. The abuses of power of the Obama administration, the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee had to be covered up. Country had to be distracted. That distraction, that cover-up is ongoing. It's now being called an impeachment trial in the United States Senate. 
You want abuse of power, you don't have it with Donald Trump. You've got it with all these people in the Obama administration. You've got it with James Comey, Clapper, Brennan. You've got it with Loretta Lynch. You've got it with all these McCabe, Struck, Stroke, Smirk, and Page. If you want abuse of power, they have now admitted to it. Laws were broken, civil liberties were violated, and one little add-on to this. The Department of Defense may have used taxpayer money to pay one of the FBI informants, Stefan Halper. Stefan Halper is knee-deep in the effort to undermine George Papadopoulos and make it look like the investigation began when Papadopoulos started bragging about his knowledge that the Russians had a bunch of Hillary Clinton dirt. Stefan Halper, Professor Cambridge, UK, as an FBI informant, his job was to recruit members of the Trump campaign as sources in the run-up to the 2016 election. This comes from Senator Grassley. In a letter Wednesday, he asserted that it was unacceptable that the Department of Defense spent all of last year dodging his request for information about Halper's contest. Halper had two jobs. First was to try to get hired on the Trump campaign and thereby start contacting Russian friends of his and make it look like the Trump campaign was colluding, but Halper didn't get hired. So his next job was to recruit members of the Trump campaign, Trump uh, foreign policy apparatus and so forth, and try to corrupt them as engaging in illegal contact with Russia. This is all coming, and now we find out the Pentagon paid. The Pentagon, the Department of Defense paid Stefan Halper, not the FBI and not MI5. So it wasn't just the Obama DOJ, it was the Obama Department of Defense. Now, who do you have over there that might have been involved in this? Well, you got a bunch of generals that are never Trumpers and hate Trump to no end. All of this abuse of power, all of this meddling in an election. And by the way, meddling in the 2016 election and continuing this effort to overthrow it and to undermine Trump constitutes meddling in the 2020 election. Meanwhile, Trump... is undergoing a Senate trial for all of this? Brief break, back with more after this. Yes, 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 I've got that. Look, I can't do everything here in the first hour. I can't do everything in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, we've, we've got Focahontas. Elizabeth Warren has some people calling it her Joe the Plumber moment. I, I, I think it's just delicious what happened to her. And it is, uh, it's a teachable moment in and of itself, and it's coming up. I just want to say one more thing on this pro-life business, folks, because I made the point uh, mere moments ago. Donald Trump, back in the days, hosting The Apprentice and in days prior to that, uh, as a New Yorker, he was never known as a pro-lifer. He was, and it was not specifically pro-choice. He was not an activist either way on the issue. But as a New Yorker, he took the path of least resistance. Woman's right to choose whatever came up. That's what he was for. That was this. That was the path of least resistance, and this is important. Now, stick with me. It was the path of least resistance for anybody to take who wanted to stay out of that or any other political controversy. It's why people who were adamantly, publicly, proudly pro-life were so attacked 
Look how this movement, though, has been has been overwhelmingly successful. If you go back, when this program started back in 1988, the Republican convention four years later, 1992 in Houston, had to give way to pro-choice Republican women and had to give them a forum. In fact, Roger Stone's wife at the time, Ann Stone, was one of the leaders of the movement. And they were constantly pressuring Republicans. You had a bunch of pro choice Republicans. Do you remember? I've told the story. I was a guest at a party hosted by a bunch of Republican establishment, well, a Republican establishment couple, and there's a bunch of big-time Republican fundraisers, and one of them took me aside after dinner, so what are you going to do about the Christians? Remember the story? And I said, what do you mean? He said, the Christians, they're killing us. They're wiping us out. I said, what do you, abortion, you, you, they listen to you and you got to get them to calm down. We can't, we're never going to win elections. We're never, if this is something the Republican Party is identified with. And then the same people would hit me up about gun control. Now, here we are in 2020. And guess what? That wing, the so-called pro-choice Republican, well, you can't find it anywhere. All of those people, what are you going to do about the Christians? Meaning, how are you going to get this issue out of our party? One guy confided to me, and I'm making it up. Got tired of his wife nagging him about it. Another guy said he didn't want to go to any more Republican conventions with pro-life people because they embarrassed him. But now, where are those people? I mean, they, the pro-choice Republicans may be still around, but they're docile, they're quiet, they don't make much of And you know why? Because the Republican Party can't win anything without their votes. There are, at bare minimum, 24 million evangelical votes in America, and maybe more. And guess who owns them? And long before today, Donald Trump. Guess who didn't abandon Trump at any time during the presidential campaign 2016? Evangelical Republicans. Despite the best efforts of the drive-by media, the pro-choice Republicans, pro-choice Democrats, they couldn't. Why? Because those people know. They know where Trump is. They know where his heart is on this, despite what may be said on an indiscriminate video from years ago made exiting a talent trailer in Hollywood. I think it's I think it's an amazing um, transformation and success story. And all of those moderate Republicans, 1988, 92, 94, all of those people scared to death. The truth of the matter was the Republican Party was never going to win with just their votes. And the Republican Party was never going to win if they got their way and all these so-called evangelicals were tossed out of the party or somehow convinced not to vote Republican. Where would the party be today? And now everybody knows it. And you couple that group with the NRA, and it's no wonder the Democrats are frustrated beyond who, because they have tried to convince everybody that this country is pro-choice, that this country is Planned Parenthood, that this country is woman's right to choose, in a political sense. And they're nowhere near the truth. They're in a minority on these two guns and life like they always have been. Okay, let me get started on the phones here because it's Open Line Friday and always try to get a phone call in the first hour. It's Neil in Matthews, North Carolina. Great to have you. Hello. Thanks for taking my call, Rush. 
Yes, sir. Listen, what has been glaringly overlooked in the Biden quid pro quo Ukraine situation is that Joe Biden was merely acting as a mouthpiece for President Obama. And in his own words, at the Council on Foreign Relations meeting, Joe Biden clearly established the fact. When Biden told the Ukrainian officials to fire the prosecutor or they're not getting their money, the Ukrainian officials immediately challenged him, said, you have no authority, you're not the president, to which Biden answered with two words that implicate President Obama. Biden said, ask him. So no, he said, quid pro he said, Joe, he said, he said call him. Quid pro o. He said, if you don't believe me, call. No, no, that's all true. Every bit of that's true. Now, I happened to see the House managers making the case yesterday for all this. You know their version of that Biden admission to the Council on Foreign Relations? Biden knew the prosecutor was corrupt. Biden was trying to get the prosecutor fired. Biden did. Biden got what he wanted. Trump doesn't have the... They're trying to say that Biden was not trying to get rid of the prosecutor who was going after his son... They're saying that Biden was trying to get rid of a of a corrupt prosecutor that Ukraine was. Resi- they have twisted this. They're lying about so it's, it's it's hard to keep up with it. But I get your point. I wish I had more time to make it, but we're out. Back in a sec. So I got an email uh, during the break. Russ, I didn't hear what you said. Trump uh, Schiff said that, that Trump should be thrown out of office because he didn't follow talking. Point. Here's the here's here's the here's the quote. Schiff said, yes, I just want to underscore this. He's not obligated to use his talking points. He's not obligated to follow the recommendations of his staff, no matter how sound they may be. But what this makes clear is that Donald Trump was not conducting U.S. policy. It was his private personal interests he was conducting. If it was U.S. policy, he would have followed the talking points that Lieutenant Colonel Vindman says he prepared but he didn't. So Schiff is trying to say Trump needs to be thrown out of office because the very fact he didn't follow the talking points put together by people he didn't trust means that he was engaged in his own personal foreign policy, not the best interest of the United States. Uh, folks, th- this that is evidence of how nothing they have, how little to nothing they've got to have to make that claim in terms of suggesting it warrants being removed from office. Hey, greetings to you. Greetings. Great to have you with us, my friends. L. Rushbo ensconced firmly behind the golden EIB microphone on Friday. Let's hit it. Live from the Southern Command in sunny South Florida, it's Open Line Friday. Open Light Friday means whatever you wish to talk about is fine with me. It doesn't have to be what people usually think is discussed here. It can be anything you want. I mean, we have some limits, but I'm not going to bother mentioning what they are. The point is, it doesn't have to be the top-line political news of the day. Telephone number 800-282-2882. Email address... L. Rushbow at EIBnet.us. Grab audio soundbite number 21. You all remember Joe the Plumber. Joe the Plumber went up and asked Obama, why in the world do you want to take everything from me and give it to other people? And Obama said, well, we need to spread the wealth. We need to, we need to redistribute the money, redistribute the money. And Joe the Plumber became a, um, 
Well, he became a star for a few news cycles and so forth because of the real guy question that he asked and how Obama just stepped in. Same thing happened to Focahontas Monday. So it's earlier this week. Look how long it took for this to surface. She was in Grimes, Iowa during a campaign event. It's not exactly analogous to Joe the Plumber, but it's the same uh kind of thing. She was she is having a town hall event in Iowa and she's talking about forgiving student loans. Which just like I have warned you that the Democrats someday, it may not be in our lifetimes, someday in fact they've made the first step already, are gonna figure out the one thing stopping them is elections. And what is what is what a shift done? Schiff has said during the impeachment trial this week that the ballot box cannot be trusted. We cannot entrust Trump's fitness to serve at the ballot box. We can't trust the voters. That's why we've got to get rid of Trump now. Don't doubt me. When I, you know, I know when I first made that prediction that the Democrats are going to make a move on elections, I, can't, I know the reaction some of you got. In fact, I'll bet it was some of you along off rush. I just got a I just got a friend of mine convinced to listen to you today. Then you go and say something wacko like that. Oh, come on. How many of you? And now lo and behold, have I not been borne out on this. And this is just phase one. They are going to continue making these kinds of moves. These are look these are people obsessed with power and their entitlement to it. And votes are the only thing standing in the way. Take a look. Hillary Clinton, any number of Democrats have, have talked, they've complained about having to campaign and having to raise money and having to go to town halls and having to do all of these events. It is just who they are. Well, here comes Elizabeth Warren, and she, and I, I, I predicted that at some point during some campaign, the Democrats are going to make a move on the millennial vote by suggesting that all student loans should be forgiven. And Focahontas has gotten as close to this as any Democrat has. That all student loan debt will be forgiven. She thinks it's magic. She thinks it's something that Americans and their families and the students are going to just, oh, man, this is great, because student loan debt is humongous. But who gave us this? Who is it that's destroyed the value of a college education? I would submit to you it's people like Elizabeth Warren. It's people like the American left who have not stood in the way of just outrageous rising costs in education. So now this, the, the whole concept, they tell everybody for decades and decades, you don't have a prayer if you don't get a college education. You're not going to get a decent job. You're certainly not going to get a well-paying job. You're not going to have a, a substantive career unless you get a college education. Parents want the best for their kids, so they get on the bat. You got to go to college, little Johnny. If you don't go to college, you don't have a prayer. Everybody's everybody's conditioned. Got to go to college. Got to go to college. Got to go to college. No matter what. 
go to college, rack up hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. If you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be something requiring a lot of postgraduate work, tens of thousands of dollars of debt. If you're just going to get a simple BS, a BA, whatever. I, I submit to you it's on purpose. Who runs the student loan program? The federal government does. What good is a college education that takes you 15 years to pay off? 15 years to get ahead of yourself. What, 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 what's, and I submit to you that people either by design or from incompetence have arranged this system to be in the current condition that it is. It's like, where are all of these deadly viruses coming from? Communist countries. This latest virus got everybody scared to death. Where is it coming from? The Chicoms. What's happening in all of these homeless tent cities in California? Medieval diseases that had been eradicated are starting to crop up. Do not doubt me when I tell you that liberalism, left-wingism, socialism, communism, what it, folks, it destroys. It is not compassion. It is not love. It is not wanting the best for everybody. It is not equality. It's not sameness. It's not fairness. It is the epitome of mean-spiritedness. Liberalism looks at people and sees failure, inability. Liberals look at people, average people in their eyes, with contempt. So anyway, here's Focahontas making the pitch for forgiving student loan debt. The problem for her is that there are a lot of Americans who have behaved and lived responsibly. And one of them confronted her Monday. This guy said, okay, you're going to forgive all of these people who have taken out all these loans for their kids. What about me? I work two jobs. I sacrificed going on vacation. I sacrificed, my wife, my family sacrificed everything so that my kid would not have to borrow money to go to school. I sacrificed everything so that I could pay for it. Am I going to get my money back? And she looked at him and laughed. Said, of course not. We have the audio of this. It's about 32 seconds, and there's a lot of crowd noise, but I think you'll be able to hear it if you have it already. I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any school money. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that's screwed. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. You're laughing at me. She She was smiling. She thought she was dealing with a kook. She thought she was dealing with a nut. She thought she was dealing with some kind of, you know, wacko. But the guy's got a point. My daughter's getting out of school. I saved all my money. See, she doesn't realize that there are millions of Americans who hear her when she says she's going to forgive student loans. 
Is she going to forgive the debt? Well, just like in illegal immigration, a lot of people came here, followed the rules. A lot of people came here and became legal immigrants and then citizens. And they hear the Democrats talking about opening the border and letting anybody in, letting anybody become a citizen as soon as they can. Don't worry about the law. And they say, wait, what about me? I followed the law. What's going This isn't fair. The Democrats laugh at them and smirk at them. And the same thing with this guy. And he's got a valid point. If you're going to start giving away, if you're going to give away federal money to people who have not lived a responsible life or have not done things to deserve it, what about me? Are you going to give me my money back that I spent on my daughters? Of course not. So in Elizabeth Warren's view, everybody that has unpaid student loan debt is poor, is downtrodden, is miserable, has somehow been victimized by the unfairness of America. And she thinks there are far more of those people than there are responsible people. And so she's firing her shotgun, trying to hit the biggest number of people she can by announcing a giveaway policy. And when she's confronted... By somebody said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're giving away essentially my money to people who have not behaved responsibly. I assumed the responsibility of getting my kid in college. I didn't take out any loans. I didn't borrow anybody from money from, from anybody, and I'm not using anybody else's money. Am I going to get mine back? If you're giving money away, am I going to get mine back? No, of course not. Now, in my mind, this shows you who Elizabeth Warren really is. She doesn't care about people. She cares about controlling people. This morning on CBS, I guess she was on the the co-host Tony Nicopo said, look, last night there was a video surface, a lot of people talking about it today, for Americans who were in that guy's position who felt they did the right thing and bailing out those who didn't is not the right thing to do. What's your response? Look, we build a future going forward by making it better. By that same logic, what would we have done? Not started Social Security because we didn't start it last week for you or last month for you? Oh, so it's just a matter of timing. So we're going to start this policy today. And if you happen to live responsible yesterday and the week and the month and the years before that, sorry, too bad. We build a future going forward by making it better. It doesn't make it. But this is the kind of stuff that divides people. Uh, The Democrats running around talking about how they are unifiers and they have the compassion and and understanding. I, I think this is a great sound, but I think this illustrates a rising awareness on the part of average people to who liberal Democrats are. And what they stand for and how destructive their policies are. And it's it's things like this that make Trump look even better day to day. Now, Charles Gasparino, I mentioned this earlier in the program, first hour. Charles Gasparino, Fox News or Fox Business Channel, was on with uh, Tucker Carlson last night about something he's heard about uh, Obama really, really not liking Crazy Brown. I mean, it's a real problem here that um, apparently Obama is so opposed to Crazy Bernie, he's thinking about making a national statement about it. The question from 
Tucker Carlson, what do you know about this? President Obama believes that Bernie Sanders is both unelectable in a general election and he's a bridge too far. My sources are people you should know that spoke directly with President Obama. They are Democrats. They are people that work on Wall Street often. They are much more moderate than you would say a Bernie Sanders supporter. What we have right now behind the scenes is a civil war in the Democratic Party. Woke, young, white liberals who are far more liberal than the African-Americans in Poland. Far more liberal than white suburban women. And angry. And President Obama knows this. And listen, he may or may not go public with this stuff. I spoke with some Democratic consultants. Probably a mistake to go public because then you stir the hornet's nest here. You further disrupt this coalition. Yeah, well, there isn't. By the way, haven't we heard, too, that Obama's not crazy about Biden? That Obama doesn't want to win. So who is it that Biden wants in this race? If Biden is not the guy he wants, if it's if it's if it's not crazy burning, who's Obama want? Does that does that leave Elizabeth Warren? Does it leave the field open for Michelle Mybell Obama to come in at the last moment? Does he want Michael Minnie Mike Doomberg? But the point is, as Gasparino says, let's put everything on the on the hopper here, you've got the Democrats supposedly unified trying to get Donald Trump thrown out of office in the election of 2016 overturned. They're doing everything they can to remove him. By the way, they have not made the case. They've got two articles of impeachment and they have not made the case that either of those articles of impeachment are true. And therefore, they have not made the case for removing Trump from office, even if there was a chance for it. They haven't made the case. That's why they want more witnesses and they want to link the spread length of time because this is about something in addition to doing great damage to Trump. But the bottom line, that they don't have any evidence. They have no impeachable offenses. But the point is, you would think the Democrats would be totally unified. They hate Trump so much you think that alone would unify them. And yet, they're split wide open down the presidential primary. They're split wide open on this impeachment business. But you would think, wouldn't you, with the abject hatred they have for Trump and the desire to overturn the election results of 2016, that there would be massive unity on the Democrat side. And there isn't. They're not even close. Quick time out. We'll get back to your phone calls right after this, so don't go anywhere. Having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have, and that's because I am doing what I was born to do. Great to have you with us. Wrapping up another busy broadcast week. Here is Jim in San Francisco. Great to have you, sir. Thank you for waving. Hi. Hey, Rush. Adam Schiff needs to be taken down. This trial cannot close until this man has been exposed. He needs to be eviscerated. He needs to be humiliated. He needs to be shamed. He needs to give the the citizens of Burbank every single reason to vote him out of office. Now, I agree with your analysis that probably uh, Nadler blew it with Republicans, and there's no chance of witnesses. However, Rush... There's 20 for the rule state. There's 24 hours of uninterrupted, uh, you know, talk by the Democrats. And then it's going to be followed by 24 hours starting on Saturday by the Republicans. And so far, John Roberts has acted like basically a chess timekeeper. He, he, he just sits up there. 
you know, and, and the rules actually, McConnell made him basically only a figurehead that he can't make any decisions of substance. Following the Republicans' 24 hours, we then have 16 hours, 16 long hours. Think about it. That's two full days of questions and answers. And you don't just get to stand up and ask a question. You have to write it out on a three-by-five card. You have to hand it to John Roberts. He reads it from the bench, and then somebody on the other side, presumably the House manager's answers. Well, Adam Schiff is in the well. We don't need to subpoena Adam Schiff. He's right there. I think that what needs to happen is we need to expose him with our questions. I want to see him expose more than Hunter Biden or more than Joe Biden or anybody else. I want he's you know Rush Adam Schiff is the singular most depraved, cynically awful politician that I've seen in my lifetime, and I've seen a lot of them in my 61 years. But he needs to be taken down. Now, let me ask you this. How is John Roberts going to control this? Because right now there's no rules. He sits like a bump on the log. You ask a question, a Democrat gets up and gives a two-hour wandering reply that has no, you know, how, what's John Roberts going to do? Is he going to, is he going to go through these three by five cards, decide which ones are relevant, which ones are not? How is he going to control an uncooperative answer? You know, what, what's what's the rules on this? It could get out of control really quick. Well, I think that's uh, first. Let me let me endorse your your statements on Schiff, and I have said much the same thing. In fact, I have here some audio sound bites. A clip of mine from earlier this week about this very thing was was used by some cable news networks to highlight and to get other people's reactions to my opinions of Schiff, which parallel yours. I think the guy's despicable. I think it's I think it, 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 it's so bad there needs some kind of of uh, penalty needs to occur to this guy. Some 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 kind of uh, comeuppance or punishment. I, I don't know how. As to your as to your questions about procedure here in the in the Senate when we get the Q and A, sixteen hours. I think, and I'm going to have to. Can you hold on just a couple of minutes during the break? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I, 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 failed to conclude or close the loop when I was explaining earlier what I think Nadler and is really going on. So hang on for that. Hey, welcome back, Open Line Friday. Rush Limbaugh executing assigned host duties flawlessly. We're back here with Jim in San Francisco. Look, I, I want, before I get to closing my loop here with you, I just, I just want to substantiate what what you are what you're saying. I think if we ever do get to this Q and A period, and I have my doubts that we will, but we'll, I agree with. I think that is the way Adam Schiff should be set up and situated so that he lies under oath. Well, Rush, uh, right now, right now, and you've got the year of, of politicians and senators that, that listen to you. So this is the word going out that we need to make sure that they're going to establish these rules. They're going to probably start working them over the weekend. John Roberts, we need to control him. And the Democrats are going to work and try to construct rules that are going to ban Republicans from asking questions. Wait a second. Wait, no, wait. How do we control John Roberts? Mitch McConnell runs the Senate. The, the, the chief justice does not. Run the right. Senate. You've you've already stated he's acting as a figurehead in there. He's a chess timekeeper. Is all he's done so far. That's right. It, and by the way, it was it was Nadler's comment, by the way, that forced him to admonish both sides. The, the Democrat comments that have made him admonish both sides. That's right. But but basically, 
up until now, up until these question and answers, he, he plays a passive role. But when it gets into questions and answers, for instance, if somebody gives, you know, you ask a question and then somebody, a Democrat, gives a two-hour filibustering response, how, how is that controlled? If, if well, John that, wait, well, wait a minute. Wait, there's no – look, that's, that's the future, and I don't know how to control that or deal with it. All I can tell you is what you're describing is happening now. They're already filibustering with this case. The, the, the thing that irritates me as much as anything about this is that whoever's running the Senate has let the Democrat Party convert the Senate into the DNC. That's all this is. These people are making points that are way beyond the articles of impeachment. They're talking about things that have nothing to do with what's in their case. They're all over the board and they're repeating it over and over and over again. This is nothing more than a never ending campaign ad on TV under the imprimatur of impeachment in the United States Senate. And the Senate is sitting there and letting these buffoons in the House basically convert the chamber into essentially the Democrat National Committee. It's almost like they've been suckered. So then you have to ask, okay, they have to know this, so why are they permitting it? And maybe they think that they think the Democrats are drilling nails in their own coffins by doing this. The ratings are plummeting each and every day, I have to tell you. That That is incontrovertible, and it's distressing the media talking, well, it's a shame because this should be watched by millions of people. This is more important than just an average television show. But they can't create uh, any interest. I, I have thought all along this thing should have been dismissed the first chance they had. Dismiss it, close it down, but the objection, well, Rush, that would make the Republicans look unfair. Screw this! I'm sick and tired of the premise being that the Republicans are the ones that are unfair. That the Republicans are the ones that have to go out of the way to prove that they're nice guys. Screw that! We're so far beyond that, the Democrats have made it known to everybody what a bunch of skunks they are. The Democrats ought to be the ones worried today about being perceived as nice guys. They're so over the top here and have been for three years and counting. And the idea that they're the ones that appear reasonable and they're the ones that appear uh, as though they've got their act together and the Republicans got to go overboard and the other way, making sure nobody realizes, nobody confuses the Republicans for racist, sexist, bacon, home for all that usual cliched tripe. Well, I, I think it's a joke what these people are doing. There's no truth coming out of these people's mouths on the Democrat manager's side. And by the way, the news is that hardly anybody in the Senate's listening. They don't have their phones in there, but they're, 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 a whole lot of people are not really paying attention. I, let me close the loop on the Nadler business. When, when Nadler came out and accused Republicans who would not vote for more witnesses of being part of the White House cover-up, that's when Susan Collins got all upset, that's when Lisa Murkowski got all upset, and sent a note to John Roberts. This is not. This is not true. And I can't believe we have to put up with this. And yet Nadler said it. I think this is a play. This entire charade here is a play to solidify the far left base of the Democrat Party. In Nadler's case, I think he's trying to maybe ward off a primary challenge. That's been put up by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. There's all kinds of stuff 
that may explain this. But here, let me, you know, as I speak, I keep coming up with more things I want to say about it. So let me cut to the chase. I think I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think by this time next week, this is all going to be over. Because by this time next week, there will be one weekend left for these senators in this trial running for the Democrat nomination to go out to Iowa and campaign for a weekend before the Hawkeye caucus. I can't believe that the Democrats in the House are actually going to preside over this thing to the point that these Democrats running for the presidency in the Senate don't get to go out and campaign. Now, I know some of you are sh- well, of course they would rush if they want Michelle Obama. Of course they would if they want Doomberg. Of course they would if they want somebody. You've got, a, you've got crazy Bernie who can't leave in campaign. You've got Focahontas who can't leave in campaign. You've got Klobuchar who can't leave in campaign. Is Cory Booker still a factor? Whatever. If he is, he can't leave in campaign. There's a bunch of men there that can't, but the, 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 the road's wide open for Biden. And now crazy Bernie is making inroads and he's locked there in the Senate and can't leave and campaign. You think the Democrats in the House are going to want to ultimately get the blame for other Democrats seeking the presidency being frozen out of the presidential campaign by having this thing go on and on and on? Now, there's, there's another side to this. And the other side is that that's exactly what they want. That they want the opportunity to call witnesses because that's court fight for months. And that means this process goes on all year. And there's a screwball of thought that says this is what the Democrats want. They want a never-ending circle called a circus called a trial in the Senate that goes on all year because of the chaos it causes. There's also, you know, look, uh, just basic political facts. The Democrats do not want Trump to be able to make a Supreme Court nomination this year. Should an opening occur. And then further down the road, the Democrats want to make sure that Trump never gets another judicial nomination. How could that be? By the Democrats winning the Senate. Now, how could they do that with this? Well, they have these four Republican senators that are said to be in very iffy re-election efforts, and these House managers could really put them in a tight squeeze here, depending on how they play it. All of these things are in the are in the mix, but we're making a mistake. I'm not, but a lot of people are making a time-honored, never-ending mistake, and that mistake is assuming that the Democrats never screw up, that the Democrats are brilliant and that they are forward thinkers and their strategy is four or five moves ahead of ours and that we're always playing catch up and that we're always on defense and they know exactly what they're doing. It's just exactly what they want to happen and they're going to end up getting rid of Trump. And folks, they are not that way. They are split. They are not unified. The very fact that Adam Schiff has become the face of this party is perhaps one of the worst things that could have happened to it. If they want to broaden this party beyond the fringe lunatic base that it has now. We'll take a brief timeout because time is racing, as it always does. Fastest three hours in media. Back to the phones after this. Back to the phones we go on Open Line Friday. This is Donna in Vineland, New Jersey. Welcome. It's great to have you. Hi. Hello, Rush. Uh, I'm calling because President Trump is coming to New Jersey 
And New Jersey, I, I think, is going to turn from a blue state to a red state. The venue he's going to be at holds the capacity of 7,500 seats. There's a request for, has, has been up to 100,000 seats, tickets, that want to see him. This next Tuesday, right? I'm sorry? Next Tuesday, he's due there. Next, is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And a lot of it is because Jeff Van Drew, you know, turned, turned uh, from Democrats well, now, to that, That's quite a statement. Convert New Jersey from blue to red. You're basing that just yeah. on the fact that 100,000 people want to get into this rally? The uh, traffic is backed up right now. He's, he's due there Tuesday. It's already backed up on the, the roads to Wildwood. People are already going to get, to get hotel seats. You know, hotel rooms, and it's insane. Um, they're they're starting. In fact, Democrats are online. I haven't seen this, but I heard it. They're trying to say, "Oh, certain bars around here won't serve you if you you know because if you're a Trump supporter." They're already starting trouble trying to. Well, get that may actually people, be true. I mean, if you wear a MAGA hat, they may not serve you. I mean, that's not. Uh, you, it would, look, that would be that would be. <laughs> Earth-shatteringly fabulous if that happened. Uh, however, it, 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 it's it's unlikely that New Jersey is going to meet the numbers. Folks are just—you'd need a hell of a lot of people moving out of there uh, for that to happen. But the fact that Trump is going there, and that there is so much interest, uh, and that the the crowd is going to be so energetic, so many people want to get it—it's going to make news in and of itself in that way. Because nothing's changed. I mean, there isn't a single Democrat that can create this kind of excitement doing anything. I mean, Elizabeth Warren offering to forgive every student loan in the country cannot create this kind of excitement. Cannot create this kind of happiness. Cannot create this kind of desire to be seen. And there's not a single Democrat out there. And there's not another Republican who can either. But that is what you have to constantly weigh against the other pictures that that you see. This the Senate being turned into an equivalent of the or the equivalent of the Democrat National Committee here. I I watch this and I listen. You know, Adam Schiff actually said, and we will have a soundbite coming up. Schiff actually said that Trump did the trade deal with China so that China will help him cheat in the 2020 election. Now, I try to imagine myself a Republican in the Senate at any time, any time any of this has been on. Like right now, Hakeem Jeffries is presenting whatever article of impeachment there, I think today is the abuse of Congress article of impeachment or the obstruction of Congress or whatever whatever it is. And Hakeem Jeffrey is a guy who, during House committee hearings, said Trump should be thrown out of office because he disrespected a 16-year-old climate change activist in Sweden. These people are using this trial to vent Everything they hate about Trump, everything he's said, everything he's done, 
they are so far above and beyond the confines of whatever their case is in the articles of impeachment. They may have not made that case. By all rights, Mitch McConnell could dismiss this and shut this down and put it to a vote when they finish presenting their case today because they've, they haven't made it. And because they haven't made it, there's no reason to call more witnesses. That's not how it works. When the prosecution has, fended its, has ended its case, they don't get to call more witnesses at that point after the—that's after the, that's it. Oh, they don't get the, they don't, they're not allowed to have the jury call more witnesses and then start its own investigation, which is what they're asking for here. But it ought to matter that they haven't made the case, despite all the repetition. By the way, the drive-bys are excusing the repetition on the low audience. Oh, yeah. Well, they're having to repeat their case over and over because they know that everybody can't watch all the time. So some people can see it in the afternoon, but other people can't tune in until nighttime. And so they have to repeat the case, making sure that every audience member at all times during the day hears the case. But as I was saying, if I'm a senator and I'm listening to this tripe, And I'm listening to all these abject lies. <laughs> I don't know how I, 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 it'd be so tough to sit there and just be quiet. And then did you hear what Senator Kennedy from Louisiana did? I don't mean to make it that dramatic. It wasn't that dramatic a thing. Senator Kennedy, Louisiana, who is a solid guy. It was either after the first day that the Democrat managers presented their case in the second. I think it was the first. Senator Kennedy said, you know, I, I, I learned some things today that I didn't know. And the media glommed all over. Them. Oh, my God, the Democrats are succeeding. The Democrats, the Democrats are talking to a bunch of senators who've only watched Fox News, and now they admit they're learning things they didn't know. So Senator Kennedy said, I'm, I'm, there's some things I didn't know here. I'm learning some things I didn't know. And they immediately assume that Senator Kennedy is saying, wow, I've been lied to by Trump. I've been lied to by Fox News. I'm learning things I didn't know. What do you think Senator Kennedy's really doing with that comment? That comment, hey, I'm learning some things I didn't know. That's no different than Bill Gates and Warren Buffett claiming they're for tax increases on the rich. Senator Kennedy is simply keeping the hordes away from his gate by letting them know that he's open-minded. He's hearing things he didn't know before. He's giving them hope that maybe the House managers are succeeding in their lying stack of articles of impeachment evidence. It's actually kind of a smart move on Senator Kennedy's part. Brief break, back with more right after this. Okay, so there's Hakeem Jeffries of the New York congressional delegation, one of the House managers up there saying that Trump cheated in the 2016 election and wants to cheat in the 2020 election. Can any of you tell me 
how Trump cheated in 2016. When Rosenstein said all the indictments are Russians, not a single vote was changed. The outcome of not a single election was changed. How did Trump cheat? Look, it's conventional wisdom. It's conventional wisdom that the Russians meddled in our election. Can any of you tell me how? Can any of you tell me what they did? And can any of you tell me how Trump cheated in 2016? Hi, folks. Welcome back. You know, it always happens. I got the stack of stuff here, and I'm loaded, and I'm ready to go. And then the program starts, and a bunch of things happen that get me off where I had intended to go. So I just went back and looked at the stack. I have got to get some of this stuff in. So we're going to go rat-tat-tat. Hang on. Live from the Southern Command in sunny South Florida, it's Open Line Friday. It's Terry, 800-282-2882. If you want to be on the program, the email address is at eibnet.us. So now they're playing at this stupid impeachment with the House managers making their case. They're now playing videotape of Ambassador Taylor and all these other civil servants saying that Trump didn't follow our advice. He didn't follow our advice on the hold for military aid to Ukraine. He didn't follow the talking points. He was off on his... And they want to impeach the guy for it as though these unelected, snooty, arrogant out-of-touch civil servants who live in Kiev and elsewhere, they run foreign policy? They get to determine what foreign policy is regardless who the elected president is. And if the elected president is somebody the Democrats hate and doesn't follow the advice of Obama holdover civil servants, then we can impeach him and throw him out of office. The whole thing infuriates me. And it, it has it has from the get-go. And this, this there's nothing new here. This is just a continuation of Trump-Russia collusion, which was a hoax and manufactured. And if you go out and you randomly pick 10 Americans off the street and say, how did Trump cheat in 2020? Nobody will know. They'll be able to repeat to you what they've heard the media. Well, he colluded with the Russians. Yeah, well, what did you do? What happened? There isn't any F. Trump did not cheat. Anyway, that's what I mean. That takes me off the beaten path that I have intended. I want to talk about the TV ratings for this because this something I've alluded to at the uh, at the beginning of the program. The opening of the Trump impeachment trial. This is from Reuters, and they're sad. Reuters very disappointed to report this. About 11 million people watched the start of the Senate impeachment trial on Tuesday. When lawmakers argued over witnesses and records, Uh, this is short of the 13.8 million across 10 broadcast and cable networks who tuned in last November for the first day of the House impeachment inquiry. Now, by the way, 13.8 million over 10 different networks. That is chump change. Why, that's that's barely over a million viewers per network. The Associated Press says the networks did not consider the Democrats to be ready for prime time. They pointed out the networks stuck with their regular programming. ABC, CBS, NBC bumped out. It was so boring and it was so tedious 
that they went back to regularly scheduled programming. Then Reuters is back with a report on the audience for the second day, which dropped 19%. So the first day, about 11 million minus 20%. 8.9 million TV viewers watched the impeachment trial on Wednesday. That's the first day the Democrats laid out their case. You know what the excuse is? The drive-by media is saying people are not watching because they know Trump's going to be acquitted. They know Trump is going to be acquitted? You telling me the drive-by media is excusing the fact that nobody's watching this, nobody comparatively, because they know Trump's going to be acquitted? How about it is they know Trump didn't do it? How about they know that this is a sham? How about they know that this is all fabricated and made up like everything else since election night 2016 has been? Oh, by the way, I got a note from a very, very, very big, very wired Republican campaign official who said to me, it was in an email, Hey, don't forget, we won New Jersey in 88. That would be Poppy Bush. We won New Jersey with Rinaldus Magnuson, a 49-state landslide. We won uh, New Jersey, I think, one of his elections. But we won it in 1988. And, and the point is, hey, d- don't, don't discount it. New Jersey going uh, going going red. It has been done. Anyway, ratings show, this is a New York Magazine, ratings show Americans don't care about impeachment trial enough to watch it. Oh, can you? Folks, the, the, the wind, the air has gone out of the sails. They were so excited. They were so happy. They were so anticipatory. This was going to be it. This where it's all going to come together. All of the efforts of the Democrats and the drive-by media where they have going to focus all of their hatred for Donald Trump and all the criminal activity, finally it was going to be presented in a way that the average American would be able to understand it. The problem is the average American is not watching. And now the excuse is, well, well, I already know Trump's going to be acquitted. Some, some, what network is it? Some of them are even saying, well, they know that John Bolton's not going to be called, and so there's no reason. They know that John Bolton's not going to be called. They don't know who John Bolton is. They don't even know who Adam Schiff is. Jeopardy viewers don't even know who Adam Schiff is. Jeopardy contestants. Do you know, my friends, that every time I have been the answer to a question on Jeopardy, somebody's known it. When Adam Schiff has been the answer to a question on Jeopardy, nobody has known it. Finally saw the A-B side-by-side comparison. Adam Schiff and Andy Kaufman. Now, here's a story. The Washington Post. You know the Democrats, if you listened to any of this yesterday, they're all quoting Alexander Hamilton. Now, these people, this is so phony because these people... The modern-day Democrat Party, they have no reverence for the founding of this country. And folks, I am not exaggerating this. And I, I don't say things here just hoping they get noticed or repeated in audio-video clips on, on 
I couldn't care less about that. They, their current existence is rooted in the belief that our founding was unjust and tainted because of slavery and because of women not being able to vote. They don't, they, they, nationalism, white supremacy, they, they, there's nothing about the American founding these people revere. They're attempting to transform this country away from its founding. Every damn one of them, not just Obama and his people, the administration, but the whole Democrat Party, as it's currently constituted with their fringe left-wing base, America is not the good guys. America is not justified. America has cheated. It's lied. It's stolen. America's colonialist. America's white supremacist and nationalist. And then these guys come along and they quote the founders like Alexander Hamilton to try to give themselves gravitas in what they're doing. And they're even lying about that. The Democrats have focused on one particular Alexander Hamilton quote this week. It is a quote they say proves that Trump is exactly the kind of guy founders like Hamilton worried about when they created the impeachment clause. Pencil neck and the round mound of the gavel. Gerald Nadler both have used this Hamilton quote to begin the impeachment proceedings. Schiff on Wednesday and Nadler yesterday. Here's the quote. When a man unprincipled in private life, desperate in his fortune, bold in his temper, despotic in his ordinary demeanor, known to have scoffed in private at the principles of liberty, when such a man is seen to mount the hobby horse of popularity to join the cry of danger to liberty, to take every opportunity of embarrassing the general government and bringing it under suspicion to flatter and fall with all the nonsense of the zealots of the day, it may justly be suspected that his object is to throw things into confusion that he may ride the storm and direct the whirlwind. That quote is a note from Alexander Hamilton. He wrote it in response to George Washington. Schiff offered the quote in full and suggested that it was part of the reason founders like Hamilton put impeachment in the Constitution. Nadler did the same thing. But guess what? Hamilton did not say this in the context of impeachment. It was from a note that he wrote when he was the Secretary of the Treasury in response to George Washington about tax policy. The letter in which Hamilton wrote these words doesn't even mention impeachment. It's from 1792. That's five years after the Constitution was drafted. They are lying through their teeth about everything. They're quoting Hamilton about Trump in advance, saying he's the kind of guy we needed to write the impeachment clause about. it. It's not even about impeachment. It's a letter to George Washington about tax policy. And Adam Schiff is being heralded as one of the great orators, great orators, one of the finest house managers there's ever been. These people are lying through their stinking teeth.
making things up, like claiming that Trump failing to follow the talking points prepared for him in a phone call with the president of, 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 of Ukraine is tantamount to Trump doing his own personal foreign policy. And then Schiff saying that Trump only did a new trade deal with the Chinese so that the Chinese will help him cheat in the 2020 election. And you got George Soros out saying that Trump and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook have made a secret deal, a secret pact, where Facebook is going to help Trump cheat again in 2020 and win re-election in exchange for Trump looking the other way on regulating Facebook. I know everybody lies in politics. Standard operating procedure. Everybody does it. This is not lying in politics. This is serial slander. Defamation of character. This is election meddling extraordinaire. Adam Schiff and his merry band of house managers and the entire Democrat Party are doing more to corrupt the integrity and the honor of the American election system than anything any foreign power could have dreamed of doing. And it's not just Schiff and his merry band. All the people that work for Obama, the DOJ... The FBI, the Comeys, the McCabe's, the Struck Strokes Merck Pages. You've got these, Bill Priestap in the FBI, then you've got Loretta Lynch, you got whatever people at the Department of Defense were in on this. It's an absolute outrage. This goes so far beyond lying in politics. You know, before Trump even made the Ukraine phone call, Chuck Schumer said he wanted him impeached. Chuck Schumer publicly endorsed impeachment in September of 2018, 10 months before Trump made this phone call to Zelensky, 10 months before the whistleblower complained. Schumer was asked while walking in a Labor Day parade 2018, when are you all going to impeach Trump? Schumer said, the sooner the better. He was using an Al Sharpton megaphone. He said, we got to get a few Republicans. We Democrats are on your side. We're going to impeach Trump as soon as we can. George Stephanopoulos was caught on camera telling ABC to cut off Trump attorney Jay Sekulow. This was during a broadcast segment on ABC News. Reporters in Capitol were interviewing Jay Sekulow, Trump's lawyer. Back in the studio, George Stephanopoulos didn't want ABC broadcasting the statements from Trump's lawyer. He's caught on camera using hand signals to tell producers to cut off. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the throat slit. Cut him, cut him. I have my own comments on Trump. You know, I I probably shouldn't say this because it, it's going to get back and it's going to be misinterpreted. But when was it? It was uh, whatever the proceedings ended two nights ago. 
or was it last night? No, it wasn't last night because I wasn't what two nights ago. And it's late. Everybody's leaving the Senate chamber, and there's the microphones and the cameras and the drive-bys waving. And here come the lawyers, both sides, talking to the microphone. I'm sitting there enjoying this too much. The whole this whole process. Make sure you watch our case on Saturday. Make sure you see me on TV on Saturday. No, I'm not saying I'm going to be on TV. I'm saying that these guys were. Well, we're going to have our case on Saturday. We don't really wish it was on Saturday. Make sure you watch our case on Saturday. This process is what's wrong, but so many people loving and relishing being part of it because of the historical nature of it. But it's this process that's damaging. It's this process that's corrupt. It's this process that's stigmatized. This process, this entire impeachment thing is an abject insult and joke because it's really not what's taking place. This isn't a traditional impeachment trial. This isn't a traditional impeachment because there hasn't been any misconduct. There hasn't been impeachable offense. There's not one shred of evidence that's been created or produced or found, and yet all this is happening anyway. I don't know. I got to take a break. I just saw the clock. I see it. Back with more after this. Hang on, folks. So Pencil Neck is back up there now. Some, I guess when things are not going well, he goes in and commandeers the floor. And he's now explaining why it is that if the president did not foresee enough importance of giving aid to Ukraine, that he didn't care about Ukraine, only cared about himself. Now he's explaining to people, why does Ukraine matter anyway? What's so big about And of course, we're going to say, well, Ukraine is a buffer for Russia. These clowns did not do anything to help Ukraine when Russia commandeered Crimea. Basically took it. That's one third of the country. But Joni Ernst, Republican senator from Iowa, came up with something interesting. She found out that four of the House managers who were going on and on and on and on and on about how Trump didn't care about Ukraine. Trump leveraged Ukraine. Trump only wanted Ukraine to investigate Biden. Remember, Ukraine got its aid in a matter of days, and it got more than it was actually promised it was going to get. But what Joni Ernst discovered is that four of the House managers voted against legislation providing this very same aid to Ukraine that they're bellyaching about. They are Jerry Nadler, Zoe Lofgren, Hakeem Jeffries. They voted against the most recent National Defense Authorization Act, which included aid to Ukraine. Now, there's four she mentioned. There's only three named. So I don't know who the. I don't know who the fourth is. Nadler, Lofgren, Hakeem Jeffries, and maybe Nadler voted against twice. I don't know, but but there's there's one miss. Anyway, does that matter to anybody? These guys belly aching and whining and moaning about how Trump didn't even care about Ukraine. He didn't care about Lieutenant Colonel Vindman's talking points. He didn't care about our, our, our vested and respected ambassadors and civil servants who were preparing the talking points. And Ukraine ends up getting more than what they asked for. Yet these people voted against Ukraine getting anything.
And they're acting like that very fact that Trump denied Ukraine threatened U.S. national security. But Ukraine got its money. They voted against it back in a jiffy. Okay, I'm going to have to run this down. I'm just watching here. I didn't have the sound on. I have a chance to switch. But it looked like that Schiff and the boys played a, a video clip of John McCain as a star witness. I have no idea what the context was, but that must be the screeching the bottom of the barrel. We'll go out and get McCain. Um, and that's a... Well, we'll see how that works. If I, if I first have to find out what it was that they have McCain saying. I think Trump sucks. I think Trump's a dead guy. I wish the dossier had been true. I wish it had been true. I made it. I tried to make the dossier true. It wasn't true, but I'm the guy that... I'm the guy that sp- I don't know what they have McCain saying. Okay, Marco in Williamstown, Massachusetts. Great to have you, sir. Hello. Thank you, Rush. Uh, I'd like to offer for your always astute consideration that the Democrats' true motive here is to derail President Trump's ability to fill a Supreme Court vacancy. What they need is one witness that he invokes executive privilege on. They insist the Supreme Court makes a ruling on it, which wouldn't come till June. They suspend it. We, we can't. There's no way that the president can uh, deal with a Supreme Court vacancy when he's under the possibility of conviction after impeachment. And, of course, that also opens up five months for new evidence to, to arise. No question. There's no question that's part of the mix of what many of the objectives here are. You know, Jerry Nadler, uh, uh, Senator Cruz came out and said yesterday that Nadler made a tactical error on Hunter Biden, and now Hunter Biden needs to testify. They know Hunter Biden would just uh, invoke the Fifth Amendment. We would really get nothing from Hunter Biden. They need this executive privilege fight and, and as a battle. The Democrats, you mean? The Democrats, yeah. The Democrats want the executive privilege battle because that extends everything, that turns it over to the courts. And while anything's in the hands of the courts, a judicial nominee cannot be taken action on. Action can't be taken on one while this is happening. That's your theory. Well, I think so. And then, of course, when they resumed it at the end of June, uh, you get into all of the summer delays. You get closer to the election. We can't fill it now. It's too close to the election. They would do everything to obstruct it. I, I do think that makes makes sense as to why they're acting. Well, it's one of the many reasons. It's, it, there's no factor. I mean, there's no doubt that it's a factor. That the the But it's it goes beyond just this. I, I think in the long range, if they, could, if they could take back the Senate in the 2020 election while losing to Trump, but if they could get the Senate to go along with keeping the House, then that's the end of Trump's judicial nominees. They're over. That's That's one objective here. Uh, your your theory is that they really want the executive privilege battle because that obviously goes to the courts. The courts have to adjudicate that. Then that puts a month-long delay. Courts take that long to review. And then there's the appeal after the review. And and uh, and you're right. Now, the, the, you, the Hunter Biden thing, I... I, I I'm going to have a tough time expressing this because I've I've not tried to express it publicly before. I keep seeing that the Republicans now have the advantage to calling Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because Schiff has screwed up. 
by misrepresenting what Trump said on the phone call, and he did, he lied through his teeth about that phone call, that this, in a standard court of law, is the equivalent of the prosecution opening the door, whereas before they couldn't go get Biden because Biden's not in the article of impeachment. Biden's not in the case. Republicans can't go do it because he's not. But they've now opened the door. They've made it a part of the case because Schiff lied about the phone call. And the Republicans, i.e. the defense, now have the option, and any judge would say they've got the option, to defend themselves against the defamation that Schiff engaged in. And that would then allow them to call Joe and Hunter Biden. Now, I know that there is a lot of energy on the part of many on our side to call Biden and to call Hunter and to get him up there and have this explained and have it exposed. But, there, folks, my there's an instinct, something tells me that just get this over with as soon as possible and forget witnesses, forget the Bidens, handle that in the presidential campaign. Do not... It's just a total waste of time, and it's it's extending this, which in my mind is an already illegitimate process because everything that's come before this is illegitimate. The Trump-Russia collusion hoax, the phone call with Ukraine, none of this is legitimate. They've had to make up the so-called facts in the articles of impeachment. There's not even impeachable offense. There's not a crime that has been found mentioned, elucidated. This whole thing is a sham. The, the, the House, the Democrats have succeeded in taking over the Senate and basically converting it in to the Democrat National Committee for this week, last week, and however many weeks this goes. And by that I mean this is nothing more than an anti-Trump TV commercial with no end. And the Republican response is going to be tomorrow on Saturday when nobody's going to be watching. I mean, the numbers are dwindling each and every day. And anything that prolongs this, in my humble estimation, is a mistake. Now, I know that there are uh, other points of view, other opinions, and no, Rush, get the Bidens in there and get this nuked once and for all. Have it shown to the American people how corrupt Biden is, how his family has profited gazillions after gazillions every year. Joe Biden's been in government. Fine. I don't think that's going to happen in this trial. Biden is a former senator. There is a collegial fraternal existence. These guys go out of the way to protect each other. Uh, I think the presidential campaign is, a, is, is if you want to go after the Bidens, either whether or not he gets the nomination, Democrat side is a place to do. Anything that extends this, to me, is a tactical and strategic mistake. And there's one other thing along those same lines. Is anybody concerned about the effect all this is having on Trump? I know you all think he's superhuman. And I know you all think he's invincible. But I don't think any of us have the slightest idea what it's been like for three years every damn day to be lied about, slandered, libeled, family attacked, very existence attacked, attempt 
at the entire government of the United States trying to ruin you each and every day while you are doing everything you think you can to improve this country and life for as many of your countrymen, as many Americans as you can. I don't know if this is having any kind of deleterious impact on Trump or his health, but I will damn well guarantee you that they're trying for that. I know damn well without knowing it per se. I know one of the things they're hoping is that Trump caves. I'm, I know they're hoping that he will eventually crack under the never-ending pressure of this. And they don't know how he's going to crack, whether he'll beg for peace, stop it, okay, I promise I won't run, or admit to something or whatever, try to stop it. But it's never going to stop is the point. And and my problem with the media, the media, why even our media, our media is getting off covering this. Oh, this is so much fun to cover. I can't. The number of people said, Rush, you got to be, you got to be loving this. I said, why? Oh, look at the material you've got to work with. Screw that. The impact of this on the country is something that it's not, not worth it just to have material every day for crying out loud, folks. But I do think even some of our media, oh, my God, we're going to have an impeachment. Oh, wow. And we're going to have a trial. Oh, wow. And we're going to have coverage 24-7. We're going to be in the broadcast networks. Oh, wow. Instead of actually analyzing what this is, the damage that it potentially could cause when it's illegitimate, when the whole thing is a gigantic fraud and yet to cover it as though it's some sort of real thing. Giving it a dose of respectability that Adam Schiff doesn't deserve, that Nadler doesn't deserve, Pelosi doesn't deserve. They don't deserve respectability for what they've done here. But, Rush, it's only the fourth time it's happened in American history. I don't care. It is bogus. And just for the record, I don't need crap like this to have material for a good show every day. I'm not somebody that can divorce myself from this and act like this has no impact on my life or the rest of our lives or the future of the country, because it does. This deserves to be squashed. And the people bringing this need to be humiliated and embarrassed from Pelosi and Schiff on down. Instead of being granted all kinds of respect, a bunch of lying skunks. Anyway, I got to take a break. I'm way long here, folks. Hang on. We'll be right back. Okay, folks, have to get out of here for the weekend. Be back here on Monday. What I just want to remind you, Jonathan Turley has said that this impeachment that the Democrats are running, this whole thing is going to go down as one of the greatest historic blunders in American political history. The House completely unmoored by history and by the law. Time will tell. Hope that judgment is accurate and that it happens soon. Anyway, have a great weekend. Be right back here on Monday, revved and ready to go. And see you then. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 